this week, Leo. Welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalis Rankium. <laughs> I am Jamie. And I'm Rob. Ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven. Oi! Yeah. Yeah? It feels like coming home. It does. It does. Back in Rome. Well, well, not really. It's all about Constantinople from now on. Uh, I didn't rhyme, though. I didn't, no. But still, it's good to be back. Yes, it? it is. It is. Woo! Felt a bit more relaxed than the President's one. Yeah. Yeah. Less information. Helpful. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. It's been a while. It has. It has. In fact, it was September of last year that we left the East. We, we, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's when we did Marcin's episode. All right. Yeah. That's how long ago it is. Wow. So I will forgive you six months. Okay. <laughs> For the listener's benefit, Jamie was counting on his fingers there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, six months ago. Half a year we left Marcion. That's insane. Dying. Yes. And then he died. Yep. He's then, now dead. Then lots of stuff happened in the West and we just ignored the East. Yep. But now we get to go back and find out what happened. Yes. And then just carry on. Yes. Yes. So let's do it. Let's do Leo, the yes. first of his name. What was it short for? Leopold? Legionnaires? Lion? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Desperately <laughs> tried to think of something there. Uh, he's sometimes referred to as Leon in a... <clears throat> in Frantex. Well, Procopius, um, at least the translation of Procopius that I read, referred to him as Leon. It's Leo in most places. Okay. Yeah. But still, actually, we're not going to jump straight into it. I think it's a bit mean to uh, not do a brief recap, because I'm guessing you don't really remember anything about Marcion <laughs> whatsoever. No. In fact, all of my knowledge of the Romans has pretty much disappeared. <laughs> yes. Well, if you remember, Theodosius II died... He, yes. he lasted for ages and ages and ages, and then he fell off a horse and he died. Right. Yeah. At the time, Theodosius's sister, Pulcheria, and Aspar, the most powerful man behind the throne, decided to make Aspar's personal assistant, Marcion, the emperor. This is ringing bells. I yeah. remember this. Yeah, <laughs> so it should. Not only would Marcion become the emperor, he would also become Pulcheria's husband. Way. Yes, remember Pulcheria has a vow of chastity and said, I'll marry him as long as I never have to touch him. <laughs> Suited everyone involved. Marcion would get to become the <laughs> Not that part. Marcion would get to become the emperor, Aspar would remain the power behind the throne, and Pulcheria would go from being the imperial sister to the imperial wife. Hey. Yeah. All good. Good, yeah. Now, if you remember, Marcion had a fairly decent rule. If a lucky one, he refused to pay Attila and the Huns their money. Yes. Yes, he stood up and made all sorts of brave statements. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> then, thankfully for Marcion, Attila had have to die. Yes. <laughs> Which was very, very lucky. After this, he settled some religious tensions and he balanced the books. In fact, more than just balancing the books, the Empire actually had some money left over wow. when he died. So he, he did a good job, Marcion. Well done. Yeah. Not good enough to get the Gene César, but yeah. he wasn't awful. He died on some kind of religious journey, but we have no idea what kind. Full pilgrimage, trip to the church, we just don't know. Religion was involved. Okay. By this point, Aspar was the patrician and the undisputed power in the East. Way. Yeah. He, he was the stilico of the East. Okay. Aspar, therefore, needed a new puppet and chose Leo, a decision he would deeply regret. And yeah. let's find out why. Yay! Yeah. 
But before we go into Leo, all let's right. let's have a quick look at Asper. Just a brief one, because we need to know what he's all about. He's been popping up in our story for quite some time. Yes, Always on the edges, so let's look into him. Asper was the son of Ardaboros, who commanded the armies under Theodosius II. You might remember that he led the war against the Persians, that Marcion was too ill to fight him. Yeah. We first came across Asper when he and his father were told to take Italy off John and place Gallup Placidia and Valentinian III on the throne. If you remember, John's the emperor that we didn't do because, really, he was just... Um, yeah, yeah. Who, who was he? I, I don't know. No, nor do I. We didn't do him. He does not count. So, you may remember Aspar took the armies north and round to get to Italy over land, whereas his father, Ardaburus, got captured at sea. Yes. Ardaburus then spent his time in captivity, telling everyone at John's court that his son's army was massively impressive. And everyone mm. may as well just give up right now. Yeah. You've seen the size of my son's army. It's huge. Oh, yeah. And multifaceted. <laughs> That's all the best ones are. Yeah. Yeah. Aspar then arrived at Ravenna, and Ravenna just gave up immediately. Yeah. I saw the size of his... Massive army. His legions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Father and son team had done it. This is back in episode 75. Oh, it's like the past. Yeah, this is ages and ages ago. <clears throat> the year is 424. Not long after this, his father became the consul and Aspar's political rise began. His next moment to shine was in the 430s. A new king of the Vandals, a man named Gesseric, oh. had invaded Africa. Valentinian III, or rather Aetius, had written to Theodosius II asking for help. So Theodosius chooses Aspar to go and fight in Africa. Again, you might remember this. The West was in the middle of a civil war between Boniface and Aetius. Yeah. Yeah. So, it fell to Aspar to do a lot of the heavy lifting in Africa. Mm. Yeah. Aspar managed to do a good enough job in Africa to claim victory, although, as we know, clearly not good enough to get rid of the Vandals. The Vandals were given some land and a couple of cities, but the rich, important parts of Africa, near to Italy, were, were saved. Good. So they could put a good face on it. Yeah. This, incidentally, is the same war that Marcion was in. He got oh. captured, the eagle shaded him for a while, yeah. and then he was released. Yeah, that weird, yeah. Yeah, you were very mm. unimpressed. You're still yeah. unimpressed with that. <clears throat> Why would you be? It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. I must find it offensive because it's so terrible. <laughs> I I really do hope that the omens don't stop just because we're now in Eastern Roman territory. I hope they get more ridiculous. I hope so. It's yeah. like not involving real animals like you know, dragons and yeah, unicorns. Turtles. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, all those mythical creatures. Yeah. We'll see, won't we? Anyway, Aspar heads back home to the east. This helps his career no end, and he becomes consul in 434. Over the next 15 years, his prominence grows. And when Theodosius II dies suddenly, as I've mentioned, Aspar and Theodosius II's sister, Pulcheria, plotted to make Aspar subordinate the emperor. Aspar can become the emperor himself. He mm. was, one, an Arian, and two, of Alan descent. <gasps> His great great uncle or something it was called Alan. Nice. And uh, that was a bizarre rule, almost a Byzantine rule that anyone yeah. related to Alan can be the emperor. Nice. Yeah. Something like that anyway. Yeah. I might have mis misunderstood that. No, that's yeah. accurate. But not only those two things, this is also the height of the real power is the power behind the throne time. Yeah. So he just wants to be the power behind the throne, pull the strings. So we're gonna leave Aspar there. Let's actually get into Leo, shall we? 
So, Leo, born in 401 <gasps> in Thrace as Leo Marcellinus. Or Marcellus, sorry, I should probably say, because that's correct. <laughs> Just like Aspar's other puppet, we know very little about his early life. He grew up, rose through the ranks, joined the army. <laughs> Did you read my note there? No, or joined the army, Adney rose through the ranks. There we go. Yes, yeah. It does say Adney, doesn't it, instead of and? Yeah, good typo there. Yeah, he joined the army, he rose through the ranks. We're not <laughs> sure how much, whether he started off right at the bottom or whether he started off as a mid-level bit of money behind him we've got no idea i think he joined as a private and worked his way up no you think right from the bottom i think right from the bottom from the no. duty even further down than that he joined as the mascot <laughs> that's a big big lion that's yes. why they called him lee <laughs> yes yes you could see him in battlefields with his big lion head <laughs> under his arm and a big banner yeah <laughs> come on standing at the edge looking really tired yeah, no one appreciates how much work it is to no. be in one of those suits. You'd see him behind the, the, the tent with his like head off. Yeah. Just having a fag. Yeah. You know, having a fag, by the way, is having a cigarette. It's a British British term. <laughs> yeah, he he was clearly doing that then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or he's right from the bottom. Yes. <laughs> Worked very hard to get up. Yeah. But never never threw away the uh, the lion costume. No, always had it. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> for emergencies. <laughs> Now, I've read in various places that he was a, a tribune by 457. Uh, in one place I read he was a count, <gasps> which means he was also a vampire. Uh, but but I only saw that in one place, so I, right. I think don't think he was a vampire. Oh. We also know that he had a wife and a daughter named Ariadne before 457. Ariadne? That sounds familiar. Where have I heard that name before? Ariadne. Uh, That's Greek. Greek mythology. Uh, what's his name? Um, Minotaur. Yes. What's yes, his name? Theseus. Theseus, yeah, on the way yes. back. And he, she gives him the rope. Yeah, and he dumps her on an island on the way back and says, yeah. see her off now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, what a horrible man. Yeah. Yeah. Great with Minotaurs, though. Well, yeah, I mean, if you've got a Minotaur problem, he's the man to go to. If you want to, like, set up a future and have a life no terrible awful yeah. his dad died though so yeah, Connie doesn't excuse for everything though <laughs> it's true anyway back to the Romans so there he is in 457 doing alright for himself in the military he's got a wife he's got a daughter there was a very good chance that he'd also risen to be Aspar's like, number two his right hand man okay. a bit like Marcion used to be his personal assistant literally a right hand man so you know he took over his right Hand Quite possibly, everything. literally. Oh, that could be done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not a fun job. No, definitely not. And then Marcion dies. Yeah. There's one obvious candidate to become the new emperor. This is Marcion's son-in-law, Anthemius. Yes, that's right, the man who would become the emperor of the West a few years later mm. when we have done his episode. Anthemius was related to the royal family. He was related to the great patrician who had first built the walls who was master of the armies. All in all, Anthemius looked like a good, solid choice. However, there was one thing that held him back. Aspar did not like him. Oh. Yeah. Well, more to point, Aspar realised he would not be able to control him. So a council was called for, and for 11 days the matter was discussed. Well, I imagine a bunch of people just said, go on, Aspar. Look, he's clearly the obvious candidate. And Aspar yeah. just went, no. No. If we can believe the source, Aspar himself was apparently offered the post despite being an Aryan and being related to Alan. He replied, I fear I would launch an imperial tradition. 
yeah, your reaction that was probably the reaction <laughs> of everyone else. What does that mean? What tradition? What of someone related to Alan being the emperor? Oh, it's got to be something more ridiculous than that. Yeah. yeah. Don't know what, though. <laughs> we'll leave that to your imagination, listeners. Yeah. So we turned it down. He wasn't going to go for it. Instead, he offered another name. The name of one of the commanders in his army. The fact that he could just pluck out someone from his army and just say, right, he's going to be the emperor now really shows how much power Aspar's got. I was say, yeah. He's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unable or unwilling to resist Aspar's suggestion, Leo was then called for. And on February the 7th, he was crowned. Oh, we're not, we're, we're not far away, are we, from his uh, inauguration? No, no, we're not. I only missed it by a couple of weeks. Oh. And we've actually got some detail here. The senators, officials, guards, troops and priests all assembled. The standards of the legions lay on the ground, interestingly. It's an odd detail. Normally, there, you'd imagine they'd be held up. Yeah, maybe it's a translation issue. But yeah, it yeah. said lay on the ground. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they fell over. Who knows? <laughs> And then all began to cry, Here, O God, we call upon thee. Leo will be emperor. The public demands Leo. The army demands Leo. The palace expects Leo. This is the wish of the palace, the army, and the senate. And most importantly, Asper. I was going to say, it's only really Asper. <laughs> yeah. Probably like, who's Leo? But there you go. Leo is ascended to the throne. Nice. So went from cheerleader to... Yes. Emperor in about 15 years, not bad. Quite, quite well, a rise. Yeah. A chain was then placed on his head and another in his right hand, apparently. The guard then closed around him and locked their shields above his head. It's a bit threatening. That's kind of where you will protect you uh, kind of okay. symbolism going on, I'm guessing. Yeah. He then announced he was going to give the army a bonus. Oh, <laughs> All good emperorships start with that, don't they? Nothing well, ever goes wrong after this. Well, to be fair, I think all emperorships will stop, start with yeah, that. Yeah. And I imagine as the army are literally encircling you with their shields above you, whispering Hand in your on. ears, <laughs> So, Leo! <laughs> and don't forget, Leo was just like cheering them along in his lion suit not long before. That's true, so, yeah. Yeah, a bit of resentment there, maybe. Possibly. But there you go, he's the emperor. Shortly afterwards, word comes through from the west. Majorian and Ricimer had taken over the elderly Avitus. Busy setting everything up, Leo and Aspar don't really respond to this straight away. Oh, yeah, didn't they send a message saying, haha, we're the emperor, I'm the, oh, I'm the emperor now. Yeah. And then they didn't get a response like, oh, okay. Yeah, this happens a few times, as you'll see, as we go through today's episode. Yeah, they're, they're too busy setting things up. Uh, eventually, however, Leo does send word back that, yes, Majorian can be emperor. Maybe he'd seen, like, a, a wood carving of Majorian by that point and just went, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he could be emperor. You're a fool not to. Yeah. You're just half as good as this woodcut. Terror of the ladies, they call him. <laughs> yes, they do. Asper, by this point, must have thought that another decade at least was secure. He's got his puppet in charge. The West seems to be settling down with Majorian and Rickamer. They got everything sorted for him. Until? Well, actually, no, everything was sorted for him. And in okay. fact, he wanted just to solidify things a bit more. Leo was told that he had to do two things. First of all was make Aspar's son his heir. Secondly, marry his daughter, Ariadne, to that same son. Um... Is Leo the kind of person that would accept that sort of, you have to do this sort of thing? Let's find out, shall we? Because Leo assured his benefactor that of course this would happen. After all, you did make me emperor. Whatever you want, Asper. How 
However, my daughter is a little bit young at the moment, so obviously we'll have to wait for the wedding, but I'll, um, I'll get onto that air thing straight away. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll treat this with the urgency I treat my correspondence. <laughs> yes. And all of a sudden, things did not go too well. Aspar gave Leo a list of names for people to appoint to certain posts, and Leo took the list and completely ignored it. Aspar, furious that his new puppet did not get how this worked, <laughs> decided to go and confront Leo. He accused Leo of breaking promises made before he was elevated to emperor. In anger, he grabbed Leo's purple robe and started oh. shaking it, oh. saying, It is not proper that the man who was invested with this garment should be guilty of lying. Leo remained cool and replied, Nor is it proper that a prince should be compelled to resign his own judgment and the public interest to the will of a subject. Oh! Oh, yeah. Burn! Massive burn. Oh, yeah. It's great. It was at that point Aspar realised that far from making a puppet, he had elevated a rival to the throne. Yeah. Leo starts to look for ways to get out of Aspar's control. Nice. Now, being Aspar's right-hand man for some time, he knew that Aspar's power lay in his personal guard made up mostly of Germanic men. Now, these men were loyal to Aspar, and they were now the royal guard, so the men protecting him. Ah. Leo realises he's on shaky ground here, so... Money? He decides... No, no, better than that. He decides that perhaps it's time for a new set of guards. Ah. He decides that members of the Asaurian tribe would do nicely... Now, this tribe lived in the Tarsus Mountains. They were practically an independent state within the Empire. They were cut off, mostly, and it would have been trouble to go and root them out, so the theory for generations had just been, I'll just leave them to her. <laughs> They're not causing a fuss. Leo arranged to meet the leader of this small nation. Now, in the meantime, things were busy personally for Leo. His wife gave birth to a second daughter. Aww, yeah. That's nice. That is nice. Then, at some point, the Asaurian leader... A man named Tarasis Cadissa Rosumbladadites. I'm not writing that down. <laughs> came, what's, his, what's his name again? Sorry, I missed his, that. His name was, I'll, I'll yeah. attempt it again. Tarasis Cadissa Rosumbladadites. It's bladder. Oh, it's okay. He changes his name soon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, he comes to uh, Constantinople and he meets the emperor. It was decided that Tarasiscadisserosumbladadites <laughs> would marry Leo's daughter to form an alliance okay. and also change his name to Zeno just to make introductions less embarrassing. Zeno. You may recognise Zeno's name. No. I get to say this again for the first time in ages. Yeah. I want to put a box around it. <gasps> Is it X-E-N-O? No, actually. It's, oh. just, it's just Z-E-N-O. No! Oh, no, put an X. We're changing I have put an X. That's fine. Good. Right, there you go, listeners. From now on, any textbook you read, just get a pen, not a pencil, and change that. Yeah. Yeah. So, this meeting works perfectly. Leo soon has his own guard fully loyal to him. Yes. How much of this Aspar knew about in advance is not known, but it must have been a huge blow to realise that he no longer could just get rid of Leo with a quick order to his guard. That said, Aspar's still very powerful at this point. Yeah. Two factions around the two men form. And things tick along uneasily for a couple of years. And then a letter comes through that says Majorian is dead. And Rickamer wants to know what Leo had to say about this. I might have killed Majorian. <laughs> is this going to be a problem? 
Leo, being a cautious type, did not reply straight away. <laughs> he needed to gauge what on earth was going on in the West, basically. They were getting through quite a lot of emperors quite quickly at the moment. Your, your quota this year is quite high. <laughs> yes. You can only have a new emperor when you bring back the remains of the last... Oh, you have. Right, okay. Yeah, Leo could not afford to make any move that would give an advantage to Aspar. So he decided to just not respond to Rickmer. Hmm. Rickmer, therefore, as we know, sets up Severus III as a puppet emperor. Oh, yeah. And Leo just keeps an eye on this whilst dealing with problems back at home. Because the city was on fire. That's an issue. That is a big issue, yes, definitely. Considering they just, like, sapped up all the money for the fire squad the week before <laughs> and decided to get rid of all the stone and replace it with sawdust. In retrospect, these were silly moves. They were very silly moves. Yeah. I'd have the fire festival day before. Instead of wells having water in, just... Pits of fire. Yeah. <laughs> just tar. <laughs> Yeah, it, it just didn't go down well. Silly ideas. Yeah, this this fire was the fire of 464, which burnt for three or four days, the worst in 30 years. It was said to have been started by an old woman being careless with a candle, but uh, the story had soon morphed into it was a demon in the shape of an old lady burning the city down on purpose. You just tell, like an old lady with a candle feeding her pigs or something. Yeah. Just happened to fall over, trip over the pigtail. Yeah. As you do. As you do. And it, you know. <laughs> crumbs. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that wasn't good. No. No. Also, there were problems with the Ostrogoths. <gasps> Struth! <laughs> yes, we get to deal with the Ostrogoths. Yay! They were crossing the Danube, as were many Huns at this time. Leo had his once rival to the throne, Anthemius, in charge of fighting. And he did quite well, as we learned mm. in Anthemius' episode. I definitely remember that. Yeah, defeating both groups. Yes, I remember that. Good, I'm glad you mm. do. If you remember, Anthemius was betrayed by one of his generals at one point, but he still managed to beat the battle. Yeah, very clearly. Good, you still you yep. still clearly remember. Glad, yep. glad to hear it. It's about this time that a ten-year-old Gothic boy came to Constantinople as a hostage. Okay. His name was Theoderic the Great. That's a silly name. And he would live in Constantinople for the next eight years, and I'm not going to mention him again for the rest of the episode. But uh, he comes back, so I thought I'd plop that in there. Okay. Yeah. Still, the fighting and the fires and all the, the misery that was going on did not stop Leo from putting a plan in motion in regards to the West. Despite not replying to Rickmer, Leo, and to be fair, maybe Asper, we, we don't really know. But anyway, either of them, both of them, had not stopped thinking about the other side of the Empire. When the East received a letter from the West asking for help rescuing the women of the royal family from the Vandals, a plan was formed. Now, if you remember, the West at this time had lost Dalmatia. Dalmatia was a province in the sort of top right, obviously. Yeah. It was between the East and the Western sections of the Empire. It was being ruled as a semi-independent state by Marcellinus because he did not like Petronius, and then he only came back for Majorian, because it's Majorian. Mm. And, but then he hated Rickamer for killing Majorian, so he was unhappy again. Remember all that? Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Very Good. <laughs> so you've got that independent state in the middle of the two yeah. empires. Leo decided it would make the Danube area a lot easier to defend if that province was actually part of the empire again. So he sends a message to Marcellinus. Why don't you come over to the east? Yeah, fair enough, you're meant to be Western, but 
Come over to the east. That way, you don't need to worry about Rickmer. Plus, I will name you Master of Soldiers for the Danube area. That's quite a cool title. Exactly. Marcellinus goes for it. This works, and Leo found himself with a stronger Danube area. Next, you will remember this bit. He sends envoys west, but rather than going straight to Rickmer and Severus III, they bypass him, and they go straight to Gesseric. <laughs> The envoys tell Gesseric that he had to return the Imperial women. Now, just to remind you, these were Eudoxia, wife of Valentinian III, Eudocia, and Placidia, their daughters, who had been kidnapped. I remember, yeah. Yeah. In return for their return, Leo would recognise the marriage between Gesseric's son and the daughter Eudocia. Okay. Gesseric is more than happy to agree to these terms. Instead of Roman hostages, he now had a daughter-in-law who was a member of the royal family. Nice. Eudoxia and Placidia were released, and they were not sent to Ricimo in Italy. They were sent to Leo in Constantinople. Nice. This move completely undercuts Ricimo. In two moves, Leo has stated to everyone, Ricimo is less than me, and I can achieve what he cannot without even lifting a finger. Leo dominates. However, if the idea from Leo was that this move would stop Gesseric from raiding eastern Roman provinces in the Mediterranean, he was very wrong, because soon the Vandal raids were hitting Greece and all the Mediterranean islands oh. belonging to Leo. Leo realises he's got to do something. Any of this coming back to you? Yeah, of course it is. Good. <laughs> However, before you can put anything into motion, he has to deal with the fact that Aspar was still pushing for power. We have very little detail, but after what must have been a grab for power, Leo prosecutes Aspar's son with charges of treason. Nice. <laughs> it's a shame we don't have details to that. That sounds like a fun story. <laughs> Someone walked into Aspar's son's yep. room one day and just saw lots of pictures of Leo up with darts in them. <laughs> it, was a, it was the first sign something was wrong. Yeah. Kill him, painted cruelly on the wall. Yeah, pentagons on the floor. <laughs> with candles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it got quite extreme. <laughs> Anyway, Aspar, just because his son is now convicted of treason, is not giving up, and he forms an alliance with the emperor's brother-in-law, a man named Basiliscus. Is he a giant snake? No, but we have come across him before. I was going to say the name sounds vaguely funny, because I think I may have made that joke before. <laughs> All right, I don't remember that. It's good that. to rehash things. It is good to rehash things. You might want to put a, a dotted box around him. Inge oh, is he a usurper? Well, I, I genuinely don't know if we're going to give an episode to him yet. Oh, interesting. I did say we were going to give him an episode at one point, but uh, I don't know. I still haven't decided. Right. You might get a mini episode. Okay. We'll see. We will see. Anyway, this is the brother-in-law of Leo. Apparently, Basiliscus had become a source of amusement in the court of Constantinople <laughs> due to him being very vocal about wanting to be the emperor. <laughs> But the fact that this was known about him and he's still knocking around and everyone found it funny perhaps gives us an indication of his character. <laughs> Buffoonish. Yeah, no one saw him as a legitimate threat. Nice. <laughs> he's just there muttering about wanting to be the emperor. Do you think he's just so overly confident? But he's a bit like the guy from The Office. I've not seen The Office. You've never seen The Office? I've never seen The Office. You've never seen The Office? I apologise, Jeremy, but no, I've not. Wow, because I only saw it fairly recently, a few years ago, but it's quite a... Watch The Office, I imagine Basiliscus is like him. David Brent? Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, I know the character. Oh, that's a horrible thought. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, I, I picture him as the kind of guy that would deliver an impassioned speech about why he should be the emperor. 
Yeah. Everyone kind of stares at him because they know it's him. Polite riffle of applause. <sighs> and then Basiliscus turns round, spins round to dramatically leave the room, but he doesn't realise that the patio doors have been closed. And oh. He just walks straight into the glass. No. He's yeah. clutching his nose. He falls straight to the floor. <laughs> And then everyone else just silently leaves the room while he's moaning. <laughs> yeah. Or he, he walks out through what he thinks is the going out door, but it's actually just a cupboard. <laughs> yes. And he can't leave, but everyone knows he's in there and they're just waiting for him. Yeah. They're staying there way longer than they should do, but they need to. <laughs> they just want to see if he comes out. Yeah. Every now and again, the door creaks open slightly. <laughs> to see a little eye peeping yeah. through. <laughs> it quickly closes again. Just a small whisper of, they're still there, Basil. They're still there. And after the third meeting, he tries the third door. That's just a window. <laughs> just hear a soft thud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we will do an episode. I think we need to now. <laughs> so anyway, this... <laughs> This is who Aspar strikes up a partnership with. <laughs> Perhaps a, a partner he could deal with, or more likely someone he could control. Now another possible rallying point against Leo was Anthemius. The young man was doing well in the field against the Huns and the Goths, and people would have remembered that he was most people's first choice for emperor. Mm. So there's all this politics going on. Leo therefore decides to deal with Anthemius. When news comes through that Severus is dead in the West... Leo sees the perfect opportunity. He would send Anthemius to the west to be his puppet emperor. Aware that Ricimer would resist this, Leo suggests to Anthemius that he offer his daughter's hand in marriage to Ricimer. Nice. Any of this coming back? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded more reassuring. Yeah, I just learned how to be more convincing. Oh, right, okay. This, this works, and Anthemius is soon the emperor in the west. Leo gave him a simple instruction, set up and wait. Soon the east and west will join forces and take on the Vandals. Leo's announcement that the Roman world was going to get revenge on these barbarians was met with jubilation throughout the empire. Yay! Yeah, it's about time we went and sorted those vandals out. We can unify and it'll be so much of a spectacular win. We'll be renowned through history as the most brilliant coming together of the East and West. Break down the wall! Well, they, they had everything they needed. Yeah. Over a thousand ships were put together. Mm. An army the like no one had ever seen in their lifetimes was put together. This was yes. easily enough to take out Gesseric. So All win. Leo had to do was choose one person to lead the invasion. Yes. Wait. <laughs> Who's he going to choose? Basiliscus. Yes, yes, it's Basiliscus. Okay. His brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> No, perhaps this... You had the world on a platter. <laughs> you could have strolled in. Well, let's find out what happens. I mean, maybe this was just a way for Leo to get Basiliscus out the way because there was a political coup starting and he needs to get his brother-in-law out the city. Did, did Leo give him uh, an instruction to say, you need to go meet Gesseric head on, deliver this speech. This speech, I've written it down for you. He'll be so impressed, they'll just turn away fearful. Okay? Then, you know, he strolls in does the dramatic spin, trips on his cape, falls down. It, it's worse than that. How can it be worse than well, that? I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> other out. than having a fire party on all the thousand ships. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, if you remember Anthemius's episode, you'll know that Marcellinus had secured Sicily and Sardinia. Yes. Another general had secured Libya. Things were going quite well. Basiliscus's job 
was to take on Gesserich straight on. He'd stopped 40 miles down the coast of Carthage, with an armada more mighty than any alive had ever seen. Knowing that he had the numbers and the power, he sent word to Gesserich, surrender or face the might of Rome. Oh, going well so far? Gesserich immediately surrenders and sends word back asking for five days to organise the formal surrender. Basiliscus, feeling smug, agreed. But, as we know, because we know Gesserich, you don't mess with Gesserich. No. You certainly don't give him five days to do whatever he wants with when you have him <laughs> on the ropes. Five days can also borrow some ships as well. That'd be great. <laughs> to help with the surrender process. Yeah, and but... 10,000 shields, 10,000 swords would be fantastic. Also your army. Yeah, it's, it's quite hard to surrender. <laughs> Really helpful. Really help us out in a pinch. Well, the Vandal King spent those five days preparing. And I'm just going to quote Procopius here. Because this is what happened. But the Vandals, as soon as the wind had risen for them, which they had been expecting during the time that they lay at rest, raised their sails. And taking in tow the boats which they had made ready with no men in them, they sailed against the enemy. And when they came near, they set fire to the boats which they were towing, when their sails were buried by the wind, and let them go against the Roman fleet. Since there was a great number of ships there, these boats easily spread fire whenever they struck. And as the fire advanced in this way, the Roman fleet was filled with tumult, as was natural, and with a great din that rivaled the noise caused by the wind and the roaring of the flames, as the soldiers together with the sailors shouted orders to one another, and pushed off with their poles the fireboats and their own ships as well, which were being destroyed by one another in complete disorder. Nice. So Basiliscus had bunched all his ships up, this massive <laughs> armada, and just sat there waiting to be attacked for five days. Well done, Basiliscus. Well done. Just as with Majorian's attempt, if you remember, Gesseric burned the fleet before they can do anything. This colossus navy, I mean, this was huge. It had cost them a year's worth of revenue. And this isn't like scrappy Italy putting something together like we saw at the end of the last series. Yeah. This is a year of the entire East. Yeah. That is all of Syria, all of Egypt, all of Greece, ev all of those regions, an entire year's worth of money. And all the forests and yeah. carpenters, they're you now blind. And <laughs> you just can't rebuild this fleet and it's gone, just like that. Leo was not best pleased with his brother-in-law. <laughs> it's only on the behest of his wife that he did not kill Basiliscus. <laughs> Please, he's just a fool. <laughs> Let him live. Present exchange that year was tense. <laughs> this also did not stop rumours of treason starting up. And the proud Romans, the, the only way to excuse the loss was to blame treason. Yeah. There's no w way that barbarians actually beat them. There had to be some treachery involved. Because mm, no one could be that stupid. <laughs> had to be treachery. Yeah. I mean, okay, these vandals do regularly, over and over again, keep beating them. But, I mean, that's mere details. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. in battles. Yeah, they're, they're still barbarians, so obviously Rome are better. However, despite the disaster, Leo was uh, actually quite fortunate here, because the blame fell on his brother-in-law. And also on the one man who, rumour had it was in league with Basiliscus, Aspar. Ooh. Yes. After all, Aspar was an Aryan barbarian, just like Gesseric was. Coincidence? 
about yes, obviously, but yeah. but coincidence? Oh, mm. I think not. And he'd been very chummy with Basiliscus recently. True. Mm. Coincidence? <gasps> there are lots of people saying the word coincidence in that way, yeah. all, all around the city. A bit weird. Yeah, it's very annoying. However, Aspar did not bow to this pressure and still maintained a strong hold on to power. Over the next couple of years, internal politics dominates once more, and the East and West Empires lick their wounds. And then something happened. We don't know what. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but something definitely happened. Nice. Yes. See, we're not stingy on the details in this podcast, <laughs> are we? Oh, no. It was very <laughs> exciting. It potentially happened on a Tuesday. Ooh. Yeah. Half two in the afternoon. We do know the result. Okay. Yes. This is why we know something happened. Because Aspar manages to get Leo to finally agree that Aspar's son was now the heir. Ooh. Now, how Aspar manages to gain the leverage to do this, we don't know. Something happened. Scandal. There must have been some form of scandal, a political play that paid off. We don't know. But Blackmail. Maybe blackmail. He found Leo's stash of quite disturbing woodcuts. <laughs> yes. Or he threatened to burn Leo's first lion costume. Oh, he got hold of it. He got hold of it. Oh, That's yeah. got sentimental value to Leo. Yes, I think we found it. Yeah, that'll be it. So there's now a new heir. But public opinion is not good. Because this move is hated. Protests in the Hippodrome was started by monks. <laughs> And these protests soon turned to riots. It's nothing worse than a monkey riot. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure whether that is like monks rioting or monkeys rioting or both. 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 Yeah, people were not happy that an Aryan heir had been announced. Constantinople, very anti-Aryan at this yeah. point, yeah. So to placate the mob, Leo announced that Aspar's son would convert and marry his younger daughter. So it's fine, he'll be a part of the family. Now, if you remember, this is what Aspar demanded to begin with. So Aspar certainly got the upper hand at this point. However, if anyone thought that this was a sign of peace between the two factions, they were very wrong. <laughs> because Ardaburus, Aspar's son, was soon discovered hatching a plot with the high-up members of the Isaurians. Ooh. The plan was for members of the Guard to kill Zeno and then go over to Aspar's faction. Can't kill Zeno. Leaving Aspar in full control of the Imperial troops once more. Zeno was out fighting at the time, but the plot was revealed to him. So he hastens back to the capital and lets his emperor know what is afoot. Leo, by this point, has had enough. One morning, the Imperial Guard suddenly remove their swords and cut down Aspar and his son where they stood. Shockwaves rip through the city. For this act, Leo gained the name Leo the Butcher. Oh. So there you go, that's why he's Leo the Butcher. He wasn't yeah. a butcher, like oh. we speculated. That's a shame. Yeah, I genuinely thought that was going to be the case. <laughs> a little shop near, yeah. near the Colosseum. No, he just killed a couple of people. So, so because he had two people killed, he's called a butcher. It does seem slightly unfair. I mean, to be fair, if you killed two people, I would be shocked. Yeah. But compared to, say, Caracalla... Yeah. He's it's, it's not been too butchery so far, has he? No, I mean, Caracalla probably actually genuinely butchered them. <laughs> Quite he possibly. Hung them up on hooks and, you yeah. know, which bit you want. Just went, went Jamestown on them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, American President podcast reference there. Oh. Crossing the streams, Jamie. No, can't do that. 
as you can imagine, there was a pushback from the Aspar faction, which probably shouldn't be called the Aspar faction anymore. <laughs> it's first Call of Duty. We need to change our name. <laughs> but for now, we're calling them the Aspar faction still. A group of soldiers managed to break into the palace, attempting to kill Leo, but Leo's guard were able to fight them back. So, he, real unrest going on here. Because of all this, Leo decided it was time to name his new successor. Everyone expected it to be his son-in-law, Zeno. Mm. But perhaps this was a bit too far for Leo. Instead, he named his grandson, Zeno and Ariadne's son, Leo II, as his heir. It's quite handy that he had two in his name. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite useful. However, the repercussions of Aspar's death was not over. The Gothic king, Theoderic Strabo, noticing the weakness in the east, took time to rampage through the Balkland area. Leo was forced to deal with him, offering him the title of Masters of Soldiers and giving him pay if he stopped the rampage. <laughs> Please. Technically, they're now part of the Roman army, but this move did not sit well with people, mm. as you can imagine. Still, Leo has bigger worries. His emperor in the west, Anthemius, had not been able to hold the fragile peace together and was on the verge of a civil war against Ricimer. He realised he had to do something, but the Ostrogoths were making it hard militarily for him to support, even if he wanted to commit the troops. And this is where we get the secret letter. <gasps> which we already know about. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> If you remember Alibrius's episode, we go into the secret letter. Uh, yes. You'll, you'll recognise it in a moment. Okay. Leo sends a summons to the Western patrician who was staying in the city. Alibrius. Alibrius had become a rallying point for those in the Aspar faction. Here was a man with the pedigree to become emperor. In fact, his name had already been bandied about a couple of times before. He was supported by Caseric of all people to become the emperor. Leo sends Alibrius to the west to get him out of the city. According to one source, he also sent a secret letter to Anthemius asking him to kill Ricimer and Alibrius to get rid of both of their troubles. Hmm. Whether this happened is debatable, which is exactly what we did in Alibrius's episode. Yep. We debated it, and I'm fairly certain we agreed that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. He did send that letter, Ricimer intercepted it, killed Anthemius, and puts Alibrius on the throne. Yeah. Still, Alibrius is out of the way, and Aspar's faction had lost a figurehead, so for Leo, it was still a win. Yeah. Although, not great that Anthemius had died. So Leo was probably just mulling over what this meant. Anthemius was dead. Ricimer had put Alibrius on the throne. When a letter comes through, Ricimer's dead. Oh. Yeah, natural causes, amazingly. Yeah, I'm still amazed by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then another letter comes through. Alibrius is dead. That's not surprising. Natural causes, apparently. Oh, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A man named Glycerius was now the emperor. And if Leo had anything to say about this commander of the guard becoming his co-emperor, it's not recorded. Because Leo had suddenly become ill. Oh, no. And he died. Oh. Natural causes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's uh, that's Leo. Oh, interesting. That's quite, he's quite interesting. He is, he? isn't he? He was a nice one to start off with. Yeah. Yeah. Intrigue, quite successful, apart from the massive, massive failure of the army, because he set some idiot in charge. Yeah, but you've got to admire the fact that he managed to not get any blame for that yeah. in the day, because he managed to push that onto Basiliscus. He, he was like the epitome of a politician, though, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I, I'm quite impressed. He knew how to manoeuvre. Oh, yes. It's Probably all those years, years of, of being in the yes. lion. Yeah. 
Right, well, let's, uh, let's rate them. Fighting Maximus. Okay, uh, tricky one, this one. Mm. He fought back the Huns and the Ostrogoths, mostly successfully, for the entirety of his reign. Well done there. Yeah. But that's all I've got. For bad, however, he didn't do any fighting himself, although this does become more and more common from now on. I think we need to start accepting the fact that emperors don't go out fighting much. No. Well, at it's, least... It's, it's in their name, isn't it? Yeah. At least as far as I'm aware, I'm sure we'll come across the occasional emperor who does go out and we'll be, be shocked, but it certainly isn't the crisis period where emperors were generals. Yeah. So in that case, we have to judge him on his generals hmm. and their wins and their losses. And his general was Basiliscus. Oh, God. He's screwed. Who <laughs> lost the fight against the Vandals, and this is huge. If they'd won that, which they really, really should have done... You could argue the West would have survived in some form or another for quite a bit longer. Yeah. He also gave up to Theoderic Strabo, Gothic king in his land. Once again, there's a semi-autonomous group of Goths living on Roman land, being paid for by the Emperor not to attack. That doesn't look good. No, it's... it's yeah. So that that's his fighty fight, yes, Maximus. Mm. However, that said... Politically? Well, yeah, we do sometimes give political fighting points when mm. we're particularly impressed by their political skills. And you know what? I'm very impressed here. Yeah. Leo was a puppet emperor <laughs> who overthrew his puppet master, set up his own guard, and chose his own successor. He damn well cut those strings, didn't he? Yeah, I, we've not seen this before. No. He, he, is... he was singing that Pinocchio song. <laughs> he had no strings to hold me back. <laughs> That's what he was singing. All day, every day. Yes. Yeah. On repeat. Oh, wow. Yeah. He also, let's not forget, outmaneuvered Rickamer a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And Rickamer was not a pushover. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'm quite impressed. He managed to place his own man on the throne. He became a puppet master himself. <sighs> yeah, so, I mean, politically, I'm I'm very impressed with him. Yeah. And I'm going to have to give him some fighty political points. I, I agree, I agree. Uh, but how much? Because uh, you really can't give him much for the battling aspect. No, um, I, I, think, I think a six... Because he fought his way through problems politically. He he fought off Aspar. Yeah. He fought off Rickamer. Yeah. He didn't fight off the Goths, but screw that. Um, yeah. But he, he stopped them being a major threat. Yeah. You know, he, he stopped them rampaging. Politically. Political fight, yeah. Yeah. So seven. I'm giving him a seven. Oh, I don't think I can go that high. No, you're right. Six. I'll give six. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm considering he technically, under his name... Rome suffer one of their greatest effort defeats. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm still really impressed by his... He I, kept unscathed. I'm, well, yeah, he managed to turn that defeat into a win because he managed yeah. to put the blame onto his political opponents. Mm. Yeah, no, six. I'm joining you. Total of 12, then. Not bad. Not bad. Aprovium crazium. Uh, nothing really stood out. Oh, OK. He does have the Butcher as a name. <laughs> That's quite cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, for killing a couple of people, <laughs> and as we've said, that is slightly bizarre. That's gonna be, um, that's gonna be part of the propaganda spread, though, from his rivals. Yeah, of course. To enforce yeah. that. That's that's quite cool. Yeah, I mean, I one for that at least. Yeah, he's gonna get a point for being called the butcher. Mm. It's it's pretty good, and actually, it's quite nice to know that he wasn't a crazy, insane mass murderer as well. Yeah. To which, achieve that. Yeah, which is always a bit of a dampener on <laughs> someone called the Butcher. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, so that's nice, I suppose. <laughs> uh, one source claimed that he was a sewer of wickedness. Ooh. But this source hated Leo, was in Aspart's faction, and also hated Leo's religious views. A little bit of bias there. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um, he lost a bit of popular support from the people towards the end of his reign because of some of the religious reforms he brought in, but it's nothing big. Yeah. Uh, good saying. As one historian pointed out, he left office with, for the time, remarkably little blood on his hands. It's true. Yeah. He is said to have said that an emperor should distribute pity upon those he looks upon as the sun distributes heat to those whom he shines. That's very poetic. Yeah, it's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. He regularly visited his sister. Uh Uh-oh. The two were said to be close. Ooh. But I hasten to add, there was no whiff of scandal whatsoever. Apparently, he just got on with his family. That's crazy. For Roman times, that's mental. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if there was no whiff of scandal, he, he was obviously just a just a normal guy. He's quite, yeah. quite sane. So I, I'm afraid to say I don't think... I'm going to give him a point for being called the Butcher. So I don't think I can, because it's sort of... Cause I would, if I give him half a point, you give him half a point, that's a point in total. He gets one in total, I think. He did assassinate his political rival. That's not crazy, that's just... Fighty, that's political fighting. That's just smarts. I'm giving him a point. I am. That's fine. You give him so a point. You either give him nothing or you join me on one. I'm no. making you make that decision. No, I'm not, I'm not giving him a point. You give him one. So I think his total should be one. Fine, fine. That is a one for Probium Grazium. Successes ultimate. Okay, he breaks the era of puppet emperors. That's true. How long have we seen the power is the power behind the throne? Well, this all starts to go now. Because Leo breaks the cycle. I guess as repercussions later on. Well, yeah, he does, I guess. As yeah. we will see. Now, although Marcion and Theodosius II were not puppets like Augustulus was, hmm. Leo is definitely arguably the most independent Eastern emperor since Theodosius the Great. Mm. And that's quite some time ago now. Yeah. He maintains the empire while the West is crumbling. Yeah, that's true. But how many emperors does did the West go through while Leo was in control? Oh, quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like Marcion before him, he, he keeps his hand on the tiller, keeps these ticking along nicely. Yeah. And, yeah, okay, he didn't manage to really attack the Vandals, but that didn't harm the Eastern Empire. It harmed the Western Empire. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's fairly successful. Bad, however, one story puts Aspar in good light and Leo in bad. This is during the Great Fire I mentioned. Aspar is said to have been in the thick of it all with pails of water organising bucket chains. Leo, apparently, was across the river where it was safe. (laughs) And he stayed there for six months while they rebuilt the city. (laughs) Fire's gone, Leo. It's fine. What's that over there? I saw a spark! I saw a spark! Stay friend of the month. (laughs) Yeah, which isn't great. But then, I suppose, it's fairly typical... There's a danger, the Emperor would be put out of danger, and his subordinates would go and deal with it. Yeah, I'm going to say, you know, if if there was a massive catastrophe in the US, the President's on the Air Force One, they're, they're flying around. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So yeah, maybe we shouldn't count that too much against Leo. Yeah, there's not much in the way of detail here. Um, no. Unfortunately, there's not much detail about his just general success. But he kept... The east float while the rest was crumbling. That's that's yeah, impressive. Bigger picture stuff. I'm impressed with him, and to do it whilst fighting for his political life the whole mm. way, 
not only did he keep it ticking along, but he overthrew his his puppet master. I mean, that's 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 successful. Mm. The East didn't fall when it the West did. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's many factors in that, but mm. he was the guy in charge. Yeah, he's the figurehead. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, that I can't score him high because. Even I know it gets better. Yeah, I, it, this isn't like really high territory where I'm amazed at no. the success. But I'm I'm gonna give him above five though because oh yeah, I think things are improving. I'm gonna give him oh six or a seven. I'm, give, I'm giving him a six. I'll give him a six as well. Go for right. six. Nice handsome twelve. Yes. Okay. Next round. Image of Guess what? What? Got a bust, Jamie. A bust! Oh, it's been ages since we've had a bust, Rob. I haven't seen a bust in months. <laughs> months. Um, make the most of it. Okay. I might be wrong here, but I think this is our last bust. Oh. Yeah. It's a bit of an exception, is Leo having a bust at this time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we go into like mosaic territory soon. Yeah. Yeah. As is on the front of my notebook. Yeah. Exactly. Whoever that is. <laughs> Don't know. Bill. Bill the Emperor, I think. Anyway, so what do you think Leo looked like? I imagine looking quite weakly, actually, and not very strong. Yeah, so there's a massive contrast when he takes his lion head off. Yeah. It's just a sort of thin stick neck. and Thin chin. Yeah. Weak chin, you know, weak eyes. <laughs> Generally a weak-looking man. Y- yeah, but, you know, surprisingly strong. Internally. Yeah. yeah. Lithe. Let's call okay. him lithe. Do you want to see him? Oh, there's some big eyes. Yeah. Oh, they stand out, don't they? He's got very hollow eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a bit weird. Very realistic bust. It is, actually. I mean, th- this reminds me of like some of the really early busts. I didn't get to draw what I thought. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, sorry. See, we've not done this for so long. I forgot oh. you'd draw. Oh, I'll draw... Well, I-, I gave you a verbal image of what I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, those eyes really stand out, don't they? Yeah, they do. And not particularly thin. Not really, no. It's quite, quite square-faced, actually. Yeah, square-faced. Interesting hair. Is that his hair or is, is that laurel leaves? Oh, that would make more sense. Well, maybe it's hair. <laughs> maybe it's really bad hair. <laughs> In the shape of leaves. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm quite impressed with that. His eyes are like... I can't get away from them. Like either massive bags that sort of surround his eyes. Yeah. Or just weird if you'd plonked this in the middle of the uh, the julio claudians or the antonines i would not be scoring highly but no. we have had to survive on some pretty awful coins for quite some time yeah with nothing but ant-man to entertain us standing on schools or standing on leaves. yeah and now all of a sudden we've got a bust and i'm just so excited i'm tempted to give him more points but that means we'll be downplaying them later on yeah, exactly so i need to try and take that into consideration i'd say it's fairly average yeah. But I'm going to give him a few extra points because of the amazing hollowed eye thing. Okay. I'm I'm going to go for six. I'll match that. What do we do? So t- we divide by four. Twelve. Three. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Total of 3.00 for Imago Facius. Temple completed. So, how long did the, all that take, do you think? Well, do you know what? I was looking at the notes again as you were talking. Yeah. And he was born in 401. Mm-hmm. Did he become emperor in 457? Yes, he did. So he was 56 when he became emperor. Yeah. So that's he's quite old. Yeah, yeah. I bet this happened quite fast. I bet it's like four years or something, wouldn't it? Something ridiculous like that. October 457 to September 474. Wow. 17 years. 
That's impressive. Which is mightily impressive. Which gives him a score of 2.13 for Tempo Completo, which is not bad. No, that's not bad not at all. Bad. Gives him a total score of 30.13. He gets into the 30s club. Nice. Well done, Leo. Okay. Not a bad start to our second series. I feel quite positive about him. Well, let's decide, shall we? Yeah. Do they have a certain genesis? I'm actually kind of leaning more towards a yes for him. I His political fighting mightily impressed me. Yeah, yeah. I, I am genuinely impressed. I'm slightly biased because how much I enjoyed researching him. <laughs> yeah. Because he's one of those forgotten emperors mm. where everyone's talking about the fall of the West in the history books and nowhere could I find a simple chronology of what happened in his life in any kind of detail. So I was having to pull up together all these different things myself to put this together. And it felt like a, a journey of discovery. And after spending months doing US history, it was just really nice to come back to Roman history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I really enjoyed researching it. But does just that mean he deserves Gene Caesar? I mean, he did lose the battle against the Vandals. That's not great. Well, he lost because he appointed somebody stupid. Yeah, but did he do that to weaken his political enemy? And it worked beautifully. If that was the intent, it's impressive. But was that the intent? It's hard to say. But he, he held all that. He held the power. He he did not get the blame for that. And he died of natural causes. Yeah. And he wiped out his enemies. Let's not forget. We're looking for... We're looking for that certain something that mm. just makes us go, ooh, yeah. And I will just remind you of this quote. Go on. Nor is it proper that a prince should be compelled to resign his own judgment and public interest to the will of a subject. Oh! To the person who had just appointed him as yes. emperor. Oh, for that. Yeah. I think he gets it. He gets it. He's got Jenny Caesar. Oh, we've given one out straight yes. away. Right. Oh, oh, oh we need. Let's, we let's need get the things. horns. Yeah. So, Leo, well done for starting off this season on a high. Hey! Oh, that smells strong. Oh, oh I've missed that smell. Oh, I've missed the smell as well. That's the oh. smell of success. Still burning. Still burning. Oh, it smells good, though. Good job Leo can't smell it. He'd be over the river. <laughs> Hiding. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy. I'm happy Leo yeah. got one. Well done, Leo. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the trumpet there for his son, who I'm sure is going to be just as good. <laughs> yes. Not his son, his grandson's. Oh, grandson, of course, yes. yeah. But we'll talk about that in his episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's that for this week. Thank good start. you very much for listening. Yeah. yeah, good start. Right, we should probably make it clear, however, that from now on, for the foreseeable future anyway, Roman Emperor's Totalis Rankium is now fortnightly, once every two weeks, because obviously every other week we'll be releasing our American President's episode. Hell yeah! Yes, which if you've not heard it yet, we have our introductory episode, mm. Pre-Presidents, out already, and next week will be the start of George Washington. Two-parter. <gasps> oh, yes. There's, there's a lot there. Yeah. yeah. So, go and listen to that if you've not already. And in two weeks' time, we'll be doing Leo's grandson, Leo too. We'll see if he gets to live up to his grandfather. Oh, we shall, we shall see. Yes. I hope he does. Okay. And all we need to say, then, is thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, so you can still follow us on Facebook. And we've got a Twitter as well and Instagram, but don't bother. Yeah. You can also download us from Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Yes. In the same place you'd normally find it. And also, 
new podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Whiskey Battles, Totalus Rankium. We've kind of ditched the Whiskey Totalus Rankium. It it was hard to do, uh, but we've come up with a new idea. It's Whiskey Battles, Totalus Rankium. It's the same feed as the Whiskey Totalus Rankium. Uh, We're just going to grab two whiskeys, drink both of them, decide which one wins, and that goes through to a semi-final. Nice. So if you like whiskey, then uh, come and listen to that as well. We'll be doing that shortly. So all that now needs to be said is... Is that a fire? Run! Goodbye. Bye. Sir, the ships are ready. Brilliant. I believe we're in an unbeatable situation. The largest fleet the world has ever seen. It's like a floating forest. I haven't seen that much wood since I was a teenager. What? There's a big forest near Thrace. Beautiful in the summer. Oh, right. Yes. Well, we cannot lose, sire. Those vandals, they won't know what's coming. There's no way this armada could be beaten. And who, sire, shall lead this glorious adventure? I was thinking my brother-in-law, Basiliscus. What do you think? Um... There may be better men suited, potentially. I understand your reservations. However, think about it. First of all, we're in a completely unbeatable situation. And secondly, it gets that fool out of my city. He's parading around, wanting to be emperor. He started wearing purple, you know. I understand you wanting to get rid of him. Is this not quite important, though? We can't lose. Look, the only way we'd lose is if we put the entire armada in a big floating block in the middle and somehow simultaneously set fire to all of them at the same time. That's not even possible. You'd have to be an idiot to set your armada like that. One week later. The idiot. What the hell? That's quite nice. I like it, boo. Yeah, it's good to know. It's good. Beer. This butty back. Back or batch? Back, I'd say. Butty back. Butty batch. Back, surely. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say batch, though. Okay. Is it good? You'd, you'd actually want a tea, wouldn't you, for batch? Yeah. Yeah, you definitely. So I think you might be right. Or butty bark. Oh, nice. Ooh. Potato bark. <laughs> nice. Do you want to do a, do a swap? Mm. One of us is going to be really disappointed and one of us is going to be really happy. Oh, that's true, Who's yeah. it going to be? Ooh. I prefer mine. Why is that hoppy than yours? I prefer mine. Mm. We're both happy. Both happy. Look that's at that. That's unexpected. That is unexpected. Yeah. They're on about a par with each other, I'd say. But yeah, I'd say. Because I'm used to drinking this. I'm happy with I think that's it, yeah. I think if I'd have started with that, we'd have different mm. opinions. This is all staying in, by the way. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leo, let's go. It, it's relaxed now. <laughs> we, we've yeah. we've gone past the fall of the West. Yeah. It's just, we're established. We can sit back, rest on our laurels. Yeah. yeah. Like the Roman Empire. <laughs> Empire? Em- yeah, that's the beer talking. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's do this. So, Leo, born in 401. 